Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to SwitchCast, Season 3, second episode. We are very glad that you have joined us tonight or any time that you are listening to this in the future. We are live here on YouTube. Uh, and uh, SwitchCast is a podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. It is not just for car nerds, but it's for everybody and anybody who owns a car, drives a car, enjoys a car. Uh, we're, uh, we're trying to help you out and uh, increase that enjoyment and make you a more knowledgeable owner. So we're going to have fun with this. Uh, we have a new format for season three that is more compact and more lively. We'll take up less of your Wednesday night so you can get back to doing the things you really want to do. And it includes such characters as the appraiser, the scam smeller, the shrewd negotiator, and the Corvette curmudgeon. And of course, we have Tyler Sanders as the Ed McMahon to my Johnny Carson. And occasionally we have Mark Spence as that guy, but he is being that guy tonight yeah. and he is not here. Probably out buying cars or doing something, buying Ford 7.3 liter <laughs> diesels. That he promises are in good shape, but sometimes <laughs> I know that they're just not. Yeah, so we've got some cool series coming up. We're going to do uh, the top 10 questions that you don't need to ask when you're buying a car and the top 10 questions that you do that most people don't think of. And uh, we're going to be looking at scams, teaching you how to avoid scams uh, very easily and uh, certainly uh, just having some fun along the way. So if you have a potential scam that you think might be a scam or uh, you're not sure, a deal that's just too good to be true, send it our way and we will help you figure out if it's real or not. And uh, if you have a question for the appraiser, you want to get your car valued for buying or selling, send it along as well. And uh, we'll be trying to answer your questions. If you submit them through the live stream where you're watching, we will do our best to get to as many as we can tonight. So let's get right into it. Last week, we discussed uh, photography when selling a car, and I guess more specifically on auctions. And we brought up a, a little bit of a controversial topic uh, regarding professional photographs on car sales listings. And uh, there are data out there that says that good photographs or professional photographs and videos will sell cars faster and for more money. And I said that at least on auction sites, I had not seen that to be the case. And I say that with all respect and uh, deference to a lot of my friends who are professional car photographers and um, their work is awesome. I have hired some of them on occasion. I have one of their uh, photographs hanging on my wall that I paid dearly for and it was worth every penny. And I think that uh, that profession should be supported. Uh, but we're looking at about this from uh, an ROI perspective and just from a uh, a perspective of, of what do you need to do to get the most money for your car when you're selling it. <clears throat> and I want to make an important distinction here between good photos and professional photos. So I don't think that you should put up your car with crappy photos or just like cell phone photos in, in portrait mode. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about hiring a professional photographer that's going to have all the the lighting and make all the colors pop and set up the composition properly um, and and really get the emotions flowing and the juices flowing when you look at that photo and, and make you want the car. You know, the kind of photo that you would see in a magazine. Um, 
versus just very, very good, crisp photos in proper lighting, which most well-trained people can do. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort, especially with uh, modern, even iPhone technology, to take a really good photo, to follow the rule of thirds, to have proper composition, and to take good detailed photos of your car showing everything that people want to see. There's plenty of templates and guides out there for you to do this. And what I'm trying to make the distinction here is, is say that um, I have not seen a dollar-for-dollar dollar increase uh, on auction sites when vehicles had professional photos taken versus just really good photos taken by whoever was was working in-house or taking it with, with an iPhone. And we've experienced this ourselves, actually. We had a, a few different auctions that I said, man, these are, these are really special cars. I'm going to hire a photographer, come out, and make this car pop. And I love the photos. I fell in love with the car in the photos. And unfortunately, they just, they didn't go to the moon. Uh, the bidders had other things in mind and they were not swayed by the photos. Um, I think they were maybe making a more rational decision. And then on the flip side, we've had ones that we just took simply good detailed photos and the cars, the bidding went crazy. And, and the only thing I can explain is, um, not necessarily a, a, a causation, but just, um, I guess, coincidence, right? So you have uh, some auctions where there's a number of other contributing factors. You have the right people, quote-unquote, in the room who want that car, and uh, the right presentation, the right discussion, uh, the right provenance on the car, a lot of other factors that go into it. So photography and presentation or visual presentation is certainly one factor, but it is only one factor. And I think um, informed buyers, which are probably a, a good majority of the buying public for enthusiast cars out there, are looking at more than just the photos and the emotions they get when they see the photos. Um, now, I, I will. I will um, I'll also add to that. So there's a couple good examples. Um, on bring a trailer specifically, I don't like continuing, continually referencing that auction platform, but they do sell so many cars and they have become a tour de force in the online marketplace that it's just, it's a good place to continually reference. So there's, there's two sellers on bring a trailer that are worth looking up that I think illustrate this point. One of them, their username is 911R and the other one is 1600 Veloce or for Americans, 1600 Veloz. Um, the, I am an American too. I'm just making fun of, yes, anyone I can make fun of. So 911R takes uh, very bright photos with loud backgrounds, uh, lights in the background. Or, or for a while, they were taking um, photos with a moving train in the background and uh, very, very well-known on Bring a Trailer for their incredible photographs and their driving videos. And they have some really, really exciting cars as well. And, and both of these guys are, are what I would consider power sellers on, on Bring a Trailer. They've got cars running every single week. 
Uh, 1600 Veloce, as far as I can tell, does not use professional photography. They just take a picture in their, you know, the owner's driveway or whatever, but they take like three to 400 photos per car and five or six detailed videos of the condition. They're boring as sin. I mean, they're literally just like going around the interior and going around the engine, whereas 911R is taking these exciting driving videos, taking the cars to redline. Like, you know, everybody loves it. The engagement is there from the audience perspective. But in terms of, uh, I guess, results, I think I've seen more high dollar record sales from the 1600 Veloce account than from 911R. They've both had some really good results and some really just normal or mediocre results. But at least the ones I watch, I continually see 1600 Veloce knock it out of the park with their results. And 911R tends to just kind of follow the market normally. They have a few outliers here and there. But I look at that and go, hey, I don't think this photography thing is contributing to the results at all. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing. What it does is is branding, right? So everybody knows 911R by their photos. They see those photos and they go, that's their listing. So if you're following a certain seller and you say, listen, I want to do business with them, I'm loyal to them, then that's certainly a good thing for branding. Um, and, and that's important to us as well. We take consistent photos in the same place every time, same background as much as we can so that people recognize us and know, hey, that's a switch cars car. Um, and, and for the bigger uh, auctions like RM Sotheby's and Gooding, who hire professional ph- photographers to go out on location for all their their listings. I think that's important for them as well. They're they're putting forth an image of professionalism, of quality, and the professional photos are not necessarily. They're not saying, okay, this photo will sell this car, but. They're just trying to exude excellence in everything they do. And if they have crappy photos that were submitted by the seller rather than flying out a professional photographer to present the car well, then that's going to reflect poorly on their brand. So I think the, the, the summary here is that the professional photos is more about branding than about direct results. It's, it's not a, a, a one-for-one thing where you go, okay, I'm going to have pro photos done of this car and it's going to knock it out of the park versus another one that I'm just going to take cell phone photos with. Um, but it's it's a consistent branding thing. Um, the, the one thing I will say, though, bad photos, <clears throat> that will definitely hinder a car sale. <laughs> We've seen it over and over and over again, that if you can't take half-decent photos that show the car in proper light, your auction's going to tank almost yeah, almost guaranteed. Especially these, it, we actually, we bought a car this week. We bought a BMW M3 that had previously sold on Bring a Trailer. We didn't buy it on the auction. We bought it from the guy who won it on the auction. Um, but we looked back at the auction and it looked like the pictures were taken with like a friggin' potato uh, to borrow a millennial term. I don't even know where that term came from, but I'm stealing it and using it. Uh, they were taken like with a flip phone. There was all this glare and haze and crap, and it made the car look terrible. And it went for a steal. Like we actually paid more for the car two years later than he paid on the bring a trailer auction. Um, 
yeah. So, and of course, this this fad where people will take photos in portrait mode. I see this all the time. People are like, hey, can you sell my car? And they send me this fo- photo, and like eight tenths of the photo is asphalt and sky, and then this car in the middle. And I'm like, people. A car's natural dimensions is like 16 by 9. It's in landscape mode. Stop taking pictures of wide things that aren't very tall in an orientation that's tall and not very wide. Like, this does, you you have to get this through your head, right? I mean, and okay, side rant just in general, I can't stand the portrait mode, right? Life exists in landscape. Our eyes. God put our eyes next to each other, not on top of each other. It's if you the want, social medias. I, a portrait works better on Instagram. That's they, why when you like when Instagram they crops it, it that oh, way, no, 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 they didn't exactly. have to design it that way. I'm agree. It's just social media's ruined this. It's so stupid. But it's like you take a video of something happening, and it's like I can't see the sides of what's happening. Like friggin' turn your phone over. My eyes are this way. I'm not doing. I'm not turning. My eyes are not like a friggin on top of each other god didn't make us that way life happens in landscape but cars especially so yes you can take photos with your cell phone you can take good photos with your cell phone you can get good results but for heaven's sakes take it in proper lighting clean your lens don't have the sun right there clean your car and turn your dang phone sideways so there we go that's that's all I have to say about photos. That was just a kind of a follow-up <laughs> and expanding of the discussion last week. I don't want to um, take any business away from my professional photographer friends, and I will c- continue to support them. Um, but, you know, it's just from a business perspective on our end, we're looking at it auction to auction going, okay, you know, does this ROI on this particular one? I think it's important for people to to, to think about that when they're selling the cars, what's important to spend my money on. And, you know, but if, if you suck at taking photos and by all means, hire, hire a professional. So, all right. Rant, rant over. I, I hope say, that's that was helpful a lot sooner. We were getting into a rant than I thought we'd, but what's that? Here we are. That was a rant a lot sooner than I thought we were going to have, but here we are. Let's go. This entire podcast <laughs> is a rant. Come on. No, it's amazing. The, uh, my, most recent car purchase it was sold well actually no it was on bring a trailer like three years ago i think and the pictures are abysmal i think i sent you some of them when i was looking at the car like you can't tell what color i don't think the picture yeah i don't i don't think the pictures were that problem i think the gray interior was the problem well that that was a second you can't help the gray interior with photos (laughs) the gray interior was the problem Oh god! They took these photos inside of like a storage building, like a U-Haul building that just happened to be able to fit cars in it. Okay, for, <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm going to put my foot in my mouth here. All right, I'm ready. Matt Farah, great friend of mine, and he probably doesn't watch this podcast, so it's fine. I'll still get invited <laughs> on his podcast. However, however, he um, so he's got the the um, West Side Collector Car Storage, which is a fantastic operation i've been out and seen it it is first class a1 but one of the funniest things he did and he got flack for it on social media is they posted a picture of a a porsche in their facility and basically were like hey one of the advantages of uh dealing with Westside collector car storage in addition to their concierge service and all the stuff they provide for people was oh we can 
you know, we can represent your car on bring a trailer, or you just have a killer backdrop for your car for photos. But the photo they used for this post was a washed out cell phone picture of a car with a concrete backdrop. And everybody was just like, okay, you say this, but this photo is terrible. Like, where is this killer backdrop you speak of? All they had to do was push it in front of the lifts, which is so cool. Like, oh, Matt, I love you, but but you missed. Like, somebody (laughs) or whoever's doing the social media, whoever did that post, I'm like, okay, use a good picture. If you're going to advertise your pictorial services or whatever, I feel like it's a Michael Scott use of that (laughs) word. (laughs) Like, use a really good photo. Hey, check out our professional photo services. Potato picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matt, forgive me. Anyway. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We're losing them. Yes. All right. On to the uh <clears throat> on to our first first segment, first character, uh, which is the newly introduced uh debuted last week, Corvette Curmudgeon. This is a character created for the VinWiki survey panel series, but it's been long lurking underneath, uh um just because of all the Corvette curmudgeons that I deal with. But um the Corvette Curmudgeon segment is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. And I have to make a note that the Corvette curmudgeon very much likes buying things from Celebrity Machines because uh, they sell vanity plates and and movie replica plates and things like that. Because when the Corvette curmudgeon goes to the Corvette Museum, he's very upset that they charge $40 for a commemorative license plate there. So he appreciates the massive 25.39% discount code, and he can buy it directly from Celebrity Machines because the Corvette curmudgeon is nothing if he isn't cheap. Um, also note, this is not a stereotype. This is a direct imitation. And to prove it, I have actual Corvette curmudgeon comment from the Facebook in response to an ad somebody posted for an 84,000-mile Corvette for sale, which we all congratulate the guy, right, for using his reliable, fuel-efficient, comfortable, fun sports car to live yeah. an incredible life. Unlike a lot of Corvette owners. Right. So he's got an 84,000-mile Corvette for sale. This crank responds with, and I quote, 84,000 miles, probably a lot cheaper to buy a TV instead of driving aimlessly. <laughs> What? That is a real <laughs> quote from a real person. That's a take, I guess. I'm like, That's an, sure is an opinion. <laughs> driving aimlessly, driving a Corvette is aimless. That's I, if anything is aimless, it's sitting in front of a TV. God. I think I responded with something I did. I responded with sitting in front of a TV will give you fat butt disease. <laughs> Oh, I'm surprised you're still in this group. I didn't. There's no moderation there. It's awesome. It's terrible and awesome at the same time. <laughs> oh, okay. Goodness. Fire away. <laughs> All no, right. wait. I, nope. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're two episodes in, and the man's already forgetting how to run his own show. All righty. Mr. Curmudgeon. Uh, this week, you know, we've got some rather inclement weather outside. It's been a bit of a blizzard here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, have you ever put snow tires on a Corvette? What the hell kind of question is that? 
Friggin' snow tires on a Corvette? I can't friggin' afford to change my tires. I guess still got the original ones on. I only drive that car on 70 degree days when the humidity is between 50 and 60%. And there's a car show that I can go to that has a class that I can win. I mean, I can't friggin' drive it in the rain, let alone the snow, you dimwit. So you don't want to go slide it around a parking lot What's or something? sliding around? That's what them whippersnappers do, friggin' reckless driving. No, I got a Chevy Cavalier for the winter. It's got 62,000 miles on it. I bought it brand new. I got the GM employee discount back in 1996. I got all-season tires on it. I've only changed them once, changed the oil twice, did it myself. No, friggin', it's in my garage under three covers. What's wrong with you? All right. Thank you, Mr. Curmudgeon. Uh, The Corvette Curmudgeon is brought to you by Celebrity Machines, and they are a proud sponsor of SwitchCast. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows like Back to the Future, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save at 25.39% at checkout. That's what I'm talking about. Big discount. Can I, can I enter it twice? <laughs> See, I thought when I said thank you, Mr. Curmudgeon, that was the off switch, but it seems that we've malfunctioned this week. We'll fix that next week. We have some maintenance to do. It's fine. We'll uh, we'll get things back on track. Oh, I did not take up smoking this week. I just... <laughs> It's winter here. <laughs> Have some more whiskey. Warm up your uh, Oh, yeah. That helps the voice, the voice of course. <laughs> uh, so we're moving right to the wall of shame, which is, oh, so easy in the car business. Now, the wall of shame is our opportunity as a dealer to fight back against the people who give us bad reviews or say dumb things or, or just just suck at life in terms of negotiations and and general human interaction with with car deals and um i i know that dealers get a bad reputation and a lot of them earn it for being equally as terrible to deal with um but you know some customers uh, what's the term buyers are liars yes that is one of my favorite terms buyers are liars and the customers earn yeah, they earn it. So this one happened to be a fellow dealer that earned this title this week. And this is still kind of an ongoing thing. Uh, they're, they're not too happy. One of the developments was just today. But I, uh, I maintain my integrity in, in this interaction. So in order to give you a flavor of this, I'll give you the background afterwards. But to give you a flavor of this, uh, uh, Tyler is going to play the part of the other dealer who is buying a, uh, a Porsche from me. Now, I am middling the deal, right? So essentially, they had asked me to find a car. I had found the car. They sent somebody to look at it, and they were buying it through me. So I wasn't buying the car anyway. I was just buying it on their behalf, and the seller knew that. Uh, so... Uh, I, I guess here we go. Tyler, play the part of the bad guy. <laughs> All right. I guess it's your podcast, so you get to be the good guy. And also you <laughs> were. But anyway, where do I send the funds to? Uh, if you want to do it through my dealer, that's fine. Sending a check again towards the end of the week. Okay, cool. 
Uh, this is all right. So we have an accurate timeline. This is Monday, January sixteenth. So it's last Monday, right? Yes, Monday the sixteenth is yes. when he committed to the deal and said, "I'll send a check towards the end of that week." Shipper will be there on the twenty eighth. Tell him. Okay, so we skip to f- last Friday. So he said a check will be there the end of this week, and I texted him, check coming today for the Porsche? Monday it goes out. You will have it Tuesday. Have have yes. a client for my Huracan? No, I don't. <laughs> so then we skip to this Monday, right? So he said this Monday the check will go out. I will have it Tuesday. To me, that is very simple. You will have the funds. He's already delayed once. No big deal. I was so then Monday he texts me. Sorry, you won't have payment until Thursday. Didn't realize how much I spent after the GT3. Need to move some monies around. (laughs) I responded simply, not liking this. Obviously, you'll need to delay the shipper unless you're wiring funds because the shipper was supposed to come Saturday. If he's sending a check, can't guarantee it'll clear that fast. Not liking what? You never get delayed? If you want to cancel this deal, that's fine. Just let me know. To be honest, I would have expected a little different response the first time and definitely some kind of response the second time. I'll cancel this deal and we'll get the next one. Make sure you're ready to party next time around. Won't be a next time. What am I missing? Because I was late, you got an attitude and canceled this deal. Not the way I do business. That car isn't going anywhere. You never got tied up and delayed? We do business differently. I prefer it when people simply do what they say they will. Well, I'm not perfect, like you, I guess. Like I said, I have a very hard time believing you never get delayed. All good. You the man, I guess. He was right. (laughs) Never said I was perfect. Just said I didn't like getting delayed. However, I tend to know how much money I have left after buying a car and don't commit to buying another one without the funds available. Different accounts just needed to move money. I was told originally not to deal with switch cars by a few on the forums, Guess the truth finally came out. We'll block you now, and we'll be leaving. No G. Leaving. I I want to leave in what? (laughs) Yeah, like it's like he wanted to slam the door on you, but leaving reviews online, leaving. I I don't know. So I I have so many thoughts about this, right? Like some people may find it fairly harmless. Like okay, whatever. You needed a few more days to pay for a car. But I've, I've been in the car business long enough. I've been down the road that, uh, what's, what's the, the Michael Scott phrase? Fool me once, strike one. Fool me twice, strike three. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, right? So he tried to fool me twice, right? Oh, I'll pay you Friday. Just kidding, I'll pay you Monday. Just kidding, I'll pay you Thursday. And I'm like, okay, first one is okay. Second one, yeah, okay. Now I have no idea if you're actually going to pay me Thursday. Plus, you use the, the trigger phrase. I don't like the word trigger, but it, it, it does trigger something in my brain where I go, okay, this is a common phrase for people who are playing games, and that is, quote, unquote, move monies. Okay? He needs three days to move monies. Like, I can transfer funds between any of my accounts pretty darn quickly. It might be expensive. I might have to pay for a wire transfer, but, like, yeah, I can move monies quickly. Um, but that was a a trigger phrase for me that if somebody is already being slightly dishonest in a sense, which is, 
you know, as simple as I'm going to pay you Monday. Just kidding. I'm not going to pay you Monday. That to me is, is a, a, a lack of integrity. And, um, once you say move monies around, I'm like, that's, I've heard that so many times before with people who really either have no intention of following through on the deal or what dealers or brokers will do is they'll start shopping the car. So he initially said, oh, I want this car for myself, common line for a dealer, whatever. I don't care. But I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's second guessing it and he's trying to find a buyer or his buyer bailed. So he's trying to buy time with me and line up another buyer. And I'm like, that's not going to happen on my clock. Second of all, I was um, basically being asked to put my reputation on the line for him because I was middlemanning the deal. I told the seller, this is for this other guy. He had already sent somebody to look at the car. So they knew that was the case, but I'm like, now I'm the one that's getting a bad reputation because I said, oh, hey, the buyer will send his funds this week. Just kidding. It's next week. Just kidding. Now my reputation is starting to look bad because my buyer isn't paying, but they don't know. They're, they're just looking at me. So I'm not willing to put my reputation on the line for this guy that's slow paying me. And I have no confidence now at this point that he's actually going to come through on his second promise to pay me. Third of all, the the whole thing of like, I forgot how much I spent on my 992 GT3. Like, come on. I wish I had that kind of money to just forget that well, you dropped like... If you like, had oh. that kind of money that you would forget, then you would have the kind of money that you wouldn't have to move money to pay yeah. for a car Good that point. cost a yeah, third yeah. as much. <laughs> and he was getting a steal on the car. So like, I know that if I'm getting a really crazy deal on a car... Not that I would be inclined to, to jerk a seller around, but it's like you have to essentially, the, the saying is like run there with cash because sometimes on Facebook Marketplace, that's, that's actually what you have to do. Like you see a listing and you're like, I, will, I am literally on my way with cash. Please don't sell it. I'll be there in 20 minutes. And that's kind of like when you get a deal online or somebody's hooking you up, like the impetus is even more to make sure you pay really quickly. And he used the phrase, that car isn't going anywhere. I sold it for 10 grand more than he offered me in a day after I canceled the deal. So he was getting a killer deal and he still was trying to play these games. I just wasn't having it. And, and I mean, there's so much more. Like the fact that he says there won't be a next time. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's my line. You didn't pay me. You don't get to get a nasty attitude with me. You are in the wrong. Like, he's just, he's blaming everybody but himself for the simple fact that he didn't pay for the car when he said he would, twice. I'm like, I, I, I don't get how people get off like this. I anyway. love Sassy Doug. Yes. <laughs> the truth finally came out. People warned me not to deal with switch cars. Was there other people who were also deadbeats? I also wonder who he's <laughs> talking to. I Now, granted, Renlist is probably not the, like most honest place in the world all the or correct place in the world all the time but anytime i see you mentioned on renlist it's all positive stuff yeah i mean there's like four people who hate me online like i i'm not i am <laughs> yeah, not do you perfect. keep track <laughs> no is there a list <laughs> no i, I mean it, like in business or they've posted publicly or whatever like it is a car business you you cannot 
do right all the time and we are human and I do not do right all the time. But it's like I operate with certain standards and I expect other people to at least come close to those. I mean, the bare minimum is like, okay, if you say you're going to buy a car, then you buy it. And if you say you're going to pay me on a certain day, then like pay me within a couple days of that day. But when you tell me twice that you're going to pay me and then keep moving the goalposts, I'm like, yeah, screw that. <clears throat> so the, the, the irony in all of this, this is juicy. This is delicious, right? So he, he's, he slow paid me. That's their, their dealer industry term for somebody who doesn't pay on time. He, he was a slow payer because he, he uh, yeah, he delayed twice. And I did a little Googling on him. Turns out that he was the founder of a company named Fast Cash for Cars. <laughs> what? Which, ironically, is no longer in business. Mr. Slowpay started a company, Fast Cash for Cars. Yeah. Ah, that was an inaccurate name. Maybe that's why it's not around Goodness, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that I've found that. I'm just like, man, that's, that's too good. That's too good. Delicious right. irony. Delicious, delicious irony. Uh, more Wall of Shame stuff coming next week. Uh, it'll probably be a shorter story and a little bit more funny, but I, that one was, was too good to let go. Oh, no, I, I forgot. Today, so once we canceled the, well, once I canceled the deal, uh, I essentially wired money instantly to the seller because, again, it was it was a good deal, and I'm like, this guy's gonna. This buyer is gonna try to pull some something, and uh, something shady. So I wired money, finished my deal up, so I would have the car. And sure enough, the buyer calls the shop who had the car today, and was like, "I don't know what Doug told you about what happened, but none of it's true, and I still want to buy the car." And he offered them five grand more than he was paying me. Weird. And they're like, yep, sorry, he already paid for it. I knew he was going to do that. I knew it. I knew it. So I feel like if you have to come into a situation like, I don't know what somebody told you, but it's not true, you probably <laughs> messed up. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've watched enough police videos. <laughs> to, yeah. to, that guy's lying. Really? <laughs> Is he? Whatever he said about me. I, I don't have the drugs. He didn't say anything about drugs. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> just, he's already, he's coming with a shovel, just digging himself a hole before the conversation even starts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> anyway, so apparently, yes, the truth finally came out. I don't have patience. And yes, I'm blocked by him now. Wonderful. Darn. <laughs> oh, darn. All right. Thank you to our sponsors for that segment. Wall of Shame is brought to you by BoxCast. They are a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we are broadcasting this show with a phone. Can confirm. It's right there. And for, well, it's pointing at Doug right now. But <laughs> BoxCast, head on over to switchcars.com forward slash BoxCast for your free trial. Ah, uh, yes. You can run a auction listing and 
a uh, podcast all with your phone. Dude. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you, Steve Jobs. I don't Except, think he had ever. Oh uh, yes, you're an Android user, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, just a yeah. But bit. who I mean, is the the person in the Android world that like revolutionized the industry? You know the little Android guy, that little green dude in the commercial. <laughs> That's is that all like I got. the gecko for insurance? Probably. I don't. I don't even think they use it anymore. I I think they do. But anyway, all right. Um, <clears throat> questions of the week. Ah uh, yes. So our. Uh, Questions this week are brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Uh, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, so I think we've got a couple of follow-up questions from last week. Uh, yes. So, you know, we get some on the live stream here, both uh, myself and our producer are monitoring this to make sure that we can uh, talk with you guys. Uh, so the first one, uh, Jim says that he wants you to call the segment The Scaminator, uh, I, which I... It's intense, but... I, I kind of <laughs> like it. I mean, it works. smeller is a little bit weird. I think of a stinky shoe... When you say that, I think smell, of I don't somebody know getting arrested for something they shouldn't be doing, you know? <laughs> <All right. laughs> I don't know. So maybe we've got a rebrand coming. <laughs> I, well, let's, let's take it to a vote. Whoever's watching, what is it, Scaminator or Scam Smeller? <laughs> All righty. So, uh, Jim, other than the great. Or uh, like a dog. A dog smells yeah. everything, and usually it's butts. Yeah, so. <laughs> a lot of those. All right, so Jim says, uh, so being an adult, sort of, at 75, should I buy a Mercedes instead of keeping the 986 I got from you? Or Boxster, for those non-car nerds. It's a Porsche a Boxster. Uh, or should I just keep being enough of a kid to keep the Porsche? <laughs> for those of you who didn't watch last week or who were and uh, were napping, uh, this is a, <laughs> or as our pastor says, have slipped into the, the second and third stage of anesthesia. <laughs> uh um we, we uh mark spence asked a question about what's a good adult car um i don't know why mark spence was asking that question because he has not grown up yet and i think most of us are actually actively trying to not grow up and the car hobby keeps us as as you know children at heart so i, I like this question he's an adult sort of so should he buy a mercedes instead of keeping the porsche Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, if it's in addition, maybe, but you know, I don't think instead of that's a bit no, of a... not instead of no. I mean, the whole point of fun cars is to keep you young and to to not take life too seriously. Uh, I think one of my favorite references to that is for for Calvin and Hobbes readers. Um, Calvin is talking about when people get old like they slow down and do less and get super boring and and calvin the six-year-old has an incredible outlook on life but he basically goes like man i why would you do that when you have less life left i think you just you'd keep doing more and more he's like by the time you know i'll be 75 i'll be going like a mile a minute which you know he's already super adhd and so his his stuff tiger hobbs is is aghast at this proposition but like i kind of like that right i identify with that sure why why would we why would we stop being kids and get boring cars just because we're old you know i mean it's one thing if we physically can't get in and out of them or can't shift a clutch or something like that but that's only like you resign yourself to that fact of like okay i have to buy a tiptronic now it's not like yeah. a yeah let's buy a tiptronic because it's practical I don't like shifting in traffic it's just for the pores <laughs> for the pores <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, no, keep your Porsche, Jim. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right, so the the next one, and I just saw uh, 
Devin is back in chat uh, today, <laughs> so he's here. Um, Devin creating a ruckus. Yeah, seriously. Uh, so last week they uh, they said, uh, <clears throat> why are the 99-04-911s so hideous? Is there a good solution to fix the headlights eyesore? I took great umbrage with this comment. <laughs> Tyler drives um, a 996. I've had one for like five and a half, six years now, so I'm a little uh, biased. For those of you who don't know, the the 99-04-911s are like the bastard child Porsche 911 because of the quote-unquote fried egg headlights, which everybody thinks are absolutely hideous. So... What what's that, Andrew? Not everyone. Not everyone. Okay. I yes. like them now. Not it could Tyler. be Stockholm syndrome, but I like them now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like your gray interior too? Honestly, uh, maybe a little bit. That wasn't my first choice, <laughs> but I love it. All right, so is there a good solution to fix a headlights eyesore? Yes, buy a 997. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so my le- so there is I'm in some 996 groups and I see things on the internet whatever. So many people are trying to design headlight covers. And it, that all, is the worst. And it looks terrible. Yes, they're trying to re- reshape the headlights, which is like that's that's like Corvette owner level modification oh stuff the 996 is That's like bad. the corvette of the porsche world the stuff i see <laughs> online is bananas like yeah but the no additional... 996 owner thinks their car is rare no, that's true. But they put extra badges and extra wings and like make it look like a 997 GT2 because they think it's cool or whatever. All those headlight covers do is tell people you couldn't afford a 997. That's it. The 997 is gorgeous. Oh, I love it. Man. But like oh it, it, just get a 997 or deal with the headlights. Preach it. Preach it. Sorry, I got a little fire. <laughs> I, I will be honest. I got the 996 because I couldn't afford a 997. That's the way it was. Oh, my goodness. Oh, speaking of which, talk about the the deal of the week. This is a total side note. But this is why scammers successfully perpetuate scams is because people operate with the belief that there are deals out there that seem too good to be true that are real and that it's their destiny to find one. But the problem is, is there actually are deals like that out there. Most of the time, you have to be the like within five minutes of them posting it to find it. So if you see it two days later and it's still available, it is a scam. But there is one this week that we missed by a couple hours, and it was a 2000 Porsche 911 with factory aero kit. It was, I Good. think, Arena Red. Get that taco. 12,000 miles. Gray, gray interior. Yeah. So it was, it was posted for 33 grand. For a factory aero kit 996 with 12,000 miles. That is so cheap. It's so cheap, and it was real. That's like scam pricing Man. right there. Yeah, because those aero kits bring some money. Yes. I don't think I've seen them go for less than like 40. And it was arena red and collector mileage. I mean, somebody's going to, I guarantee you will see that up on Bring a Trailer or P Car Market or whatever, some other site, a dealer site, and it's going to be 50, 60 grand. All right. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you, Nuts for Sticks, for uh, those uh, listener questions of the week. Uh, Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget flappy paddles. We like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com. That is with the number four. 
and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nuts4sticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. Speaking of shifting yourself, my wife texted me today to recount a story about our six-year-old farting, but then there was something bonus in his... Oh. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of shifting yourself. (laughs) I see. Anyway. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Those uh... are the kind of texts I get from my wife, okay? (laughs) Marriage, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I do have to call out... uh, Automobile addiction here in the YouTube chat saying the Lotus Esprit is the greatest car ever made. I think what? that might be like Tony K in like sneaking into the no, chat. No, I'm here. pretty sure he's just never owned one or driven one. That's the Tony only way. Automobile? No, the person who said it was the greatest car ever made. The only way you could say that is not owning one or driving one. They look cool, at least. I've never They're driven one, but awesome. They are childhood poster cars for sure, but they are unreliable. And the seating position is awkward, and it's tight, and, like, I don't know. Whatever. Maybe he does own one, and he's, like, the Corvette owner. That's, like, my Corvette is the best Corvette ever ever because I own it. (laughs) I do have a a Corvette owner question, or a Corvette-related question in here. Uh Uh-oh. The answer is C5. (laughs) They say, what's the best first Corvette and spec if you want to be a stereotypical Corvette owner? It's actually C5. You were right. No, mm, yeah, I guess if you want to go to shows, it would be a C5. Like the C4 is the, 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 the Corvette curmudgeon, the cheap old boomer Corvette guy that, that gets the oh. blue, plate, blue plate specials at the diner, I think. And when people talk about like the cutoff jean shorts and Marlboro hat and New Balance, like that's typically the C4 Corvette guys. Like nobody wears cutoff jean shorts and drives a C5. Like it's the wrong era. That's true. But the the car that started the chrome taillight louvers, Corvette badges everywhere, you know, custom colored leather and steering wheel covers and just gaudying up your Corvette to take it to a show, I think is a C5. So if you want to be like that guy at the cruise in, you buy a C5 and you just clear out friggin' Ecklers. And <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, it's amazing for me to see a stock C5 now that doesn't have like chrome like flames in the taillights or like extra badges or whatever or an American eagle like or flag and an eagle inside the hood that they pop at car shows. It's my, like my neighbor, my work neighbor, uh, rest in peace, used to have, he bought a yellow Corvette from a guy and it had flames painted down and they were painted and he wanted to sell it to me. And I'm like, but they're, the flames are, they're, they're painted. <laughs> they're on there. Yeah. They're on there for good. I can't take them off. Yeah. Why would you want to take them off? But, but well, <laughs> because <laughs> I don't play call of duty. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> Also, uh, Devin has come back with, I think uh, they've abandoned the Porsche idea because now they're asking, uh, they have uh, OBD2 E36 318Ti, and they're asking, should they swap it for an E46 six-cylinder or an E36 six-cylinder? Wow. It sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. Do the turn signals work on his BMWs? <laughs> Got top that's, of the fluid. That's a that's a more important question. <laughs> There's too many initials in that question. <laughs> this is not car nerd uh, trivia. All right, the shrewd negotiator. 
Brought to you by VinWiki, because I think Ed invented that term. The shrewd negotiator is essentially somebody who's auditioning for the wall of shame. It is one step removed from that. And is somebody who's trying really hard to be awesome at making car deals, but just maybe tries a little bit too hard or comes up short. So <clears throat> this one was uh, uh, a lot of three cars for sale on Ferrari Chat. And uh, I think most of them were Ferraris, but I don't know. Anyway, group of three cars, and I offered 125 grand for all three. His response was, "Thanks, your bid is currently a little higher than a couple of the other bids, but unless I get 140 or maybe 130, I don't want to close the deal until next week. If I don't get a serious offer by next week, I would gladly take your offer." So. This in and of itself is not a problem, right? This is not wall of shame worthy. There's nothing wrong with his wanting to explore all options. However, as a dealer, when I make an offer on a car, part of my margins come from offering cars to my customers or to the market that haven't already been overexposed. If, if that guy is out there offering every other dealer and everybody else on the internet the cars for 130 and I pay 125, then when I try to go mark them up, People will say, well, I could have bought this car for 130. So if, if if he exhausts all possible buyers, that limits my ability to resell. It cuts my feet out from underneath me. Second, this was June of 2022. The market was teetering at that point on the start of a really big decline, which we're seeing the fruit of now. And offers have to expire, right? I can't just say, yeah, sure, my offer is good for eternity. So I told him plainly that my offer was an exploding one. If he was trying to squeeze the last few grand out, he couldn't depend on me as, as like his backup, his safety offer. I mean, nobody wants that in a relationship, right? Like, hey, will you go out with me? Well, I'm looking at these other three guys, and we'll see how they pan out. But if they don't like me, I'll come back to you and go out with you. It's like, I'm totally on if that doesn't work out. Right. No. It's like, go pound sand. I don't know. Maybe if you really love her, fine. But uh, yeah, I didn't really love these cars. So anyway, I don't know how it ended up working out for him. I never heard back from him. And I don't fault him at all for taking this tack, but it doesn't it's not a good tack to take with dealers. And I see people do this a lot. They post their cars on a forum for sale and they're like, oh, the dealer offered me 128. I'm going to trade it in tomorrow, but you guys can buy it for 129. And I'm like, you're totally screwing over the dealer that you're about to trade it to. And if I was a dealer and I saw that, I'd be like, hey man, sorry, my offers changed because now you like devalued your own car. Um, <clears throat> So, and more often than not, it's it's not successful. And, and I've even burned myself on, on doing that. You know, I got a little greedy or whatever. And I said, hey, I'm not going to take this offer right now because I'm holding out for another couple potential offers. And, you know, I knew the risk I was taking because those offers may or may not pan out. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And again, I'm not faulting this guy for ethics at all. This is not an ethics thing. It's just a matter of strategy, but it's, in my opinion, is is not a great negotiation strategy. <clears throat> all right. From the shrewd negotiator to the scam smeller, or should we call it the scaminator? Uh, we can try on scaminator for size this week. See how it, see how it feels. Scaminator? I barely know her. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> that was something that was in my head. I was like, man, maybe I don't say that. <laughs> that never occurs with me. <laughs> oh, God. 
All right. Yeah, so this is uh, uh, an ad for a Porsche 996 Millennial Edition. Millenn- Millennium yeah. Edition. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Millennium Edition. <clears throat> All right. Fire away. Read Already. the ad. Uh, you, so what I have to do you is... You got your is, drum is, ready? Yeah, I got my, my scam alert. When I know it's a scam, I will hit this thing. Let's go. All righty. 2000 Carrera Millennium Edition. 24,000 miles. Number 138 of 911. Super unique violet chroma flare paint. IMS done along with chain ramps. Engine and transmission dry ice blasted while removed. Exterior and interior were recently detailed. Full paint correction was done. Will not find a cleaner example. New clutch. IMS done, January 2022. Car needs nothing and drives like new. Keep going. Uh, it is a 2002 Porsche 911. Oh, there's one. Uh, cryptocurrency is okay. There's one. They'll deliver. Uh, it takes gas. The odometer is 24,000 miles. Clean title and an automatic transmission. Oh, there's one. They didn't do the Millennium in an auto, did they? Uh, no, they did not. Although a lot of sites default, like if you list on Facebook, it defaults to an automatic. Okay. So that's not like an automatic, uh, pun intended there, an automatic notification of a scam. But there's there's two things in there that that triggered me, tipped me off. I'm sorry. One was that he got the year wrong uh, in the listing versus the description. Two is that he said cryptocurrency is okay. Now, this is a Craigslist ad. Most uh, Porsche guys are not... You know, people selling Porsches are not 25 years old. Tyler, fine, okay. But, like, rarely do I see an actual ad where guys are like, yeah, I want to take cryptocurrency for my car. No, they want a secure transaction. So, typically, scammers will put in, yep, I'm fine with crypto because it's that much easier to scam people that way. But this one actually took a little bit more homework uh, to find out it was a scam. It wasn't immediately apparent from the language in the ad, and it actually wasn't even immediately apparent for the price. So it was a 2000 uh, Millennium Edition Carrera, which does carry a little bit of premium over regular 911. Uh, it was pretty low mileage. All the maintenance done, they were asking forty three grand, which is like moderate, kind of top of the market. Really so worth that much? It, That's yes, low miles, it, it should sell for like forty-five, maybe retail. Okay. But we were thinking we'd offer like thirty-nine. So we weren't even like, "Oh my gosh, let's run to the bank and and get cash for this." But I started doing a little bit of homework, and uh, the the listing was in Cincinnati, Ohio, but the plate uh, in the photo was in Texas. I'm like, "Okay, no big deal. Maybe he's reusing photos. Maybe he moved." Okay, so I ran the plate number, put it in Carfax, and looked up the history. And it had been in Texas, but then just recently it was retitled in Montana. And I'm like, okay, so it's in Texas, titled in Montana <clears throat> like a month ago, and now it's for sale again already? That doesn't make sense. So then I Googled the VIN that I got from Carfax, and I pulled up a Renlist ad that is active from a guy in California that had the exact same text as this ad, but the price was 51 grand. So he's asking almost 10 grand more. And I'm like, okay, this is the legit ad. The guy in California is selling it. And this guy put an ad in Craigslist in Ohio 
and basically just copy and pasted the ad, took a few photos, and dropped the price by eight grand and thought like, oh, yeah, this... This is a too good to be true price, but the problem was the fifty one was so overpriced that the forty three yeah. still wasn't like a scam alert price. But <clears throat> all that to say, you can't immediately tell that cars are scams just based on the listing and based on the language. Sometimes it takes a little bit of legwork and a little bit of homework, uh, and also knowing what to look for. I know that the little things to look for that uh, are, are tip-offs to that it might be a scam. So uh, if you're not sure, consult an expert before you just give them money. And I mean, the guy had a phone number. Like We talked to him on the phone. And we asked oh, him, really? like, hey, why is the car in Ohio? I thought it was in California. And he just, like, kind of fumbled over his words and didn't have a good explanation. So, like, it's it's not all just, like, foreigners, you know, texting via WhatsApp and stuff like that. Like, it's sometimes it's it's real people and you can talk to a real person. But um, it, it's, not, uh, it's not what it's cracked up to be. Truthfully, though... Uh hindsight being what it is, I should have realized that this was a scam when they when somebody who had a 24,000 mile 996 already had the chain ramps done. <laughs> that is a Ren list thing for sure. There's no way somebody on Craigslist is going to have that done already. Um, so last week I brought up a car for you, Tyler. It was a 37,000 mile yeah. Aventure in green over classic gray Porsche 993 on Bring a Trailer. Okay? <clears throat> and so it had sold... In 2020 for 67, something like that, Yeah. back when the market went crazy, before the market went crazy. And earlier this year, at the height of the market, it probably would have been a $125,000 car. Okay, did you see what it sold for? I didn't. I wanted to keep it a surprise oh, so I can be depressed okay. and drink myself to uh, sleep tonight. We're going to quick guesses. Dan, <laughs> 95, 993, 37,000 miles. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, give me a number. Too late. 65 what dude Andrew. i would buy it right now for that oh my gosh you guys are terrible <laughs> the appraiser says 110 uh it sold for 101 grand oh god which okay you say like oh that's crazy but that's actually kind of low compared to what they have been going for and that confirms that the high-end car market is down a solid like 20 to 25 percent that's true so like I was thinking when I saw this one, I'm like, that's good for you, Tyler, because it's coming back to your level yes, of ownership. It's, it's bad for me because <laughs> yeah. I have a 40,000 mile 993 that I'm trying to sell. And when I initially bought the car, this is how quickly the market is moving. When I initially bought the car, I kind of pegged it as like a 120-ish retail car. And you know, I had some room, obviously. I wasn't banking on that, but I'm like, that's kind of the, the ceiling of it. And I think, you know... Well, now we have a fresh result. It's 106K with fees. God, so. Yeah, if uh, 993s <clears throat> and some GT3s could just keep coming back into my field of view, that would be fantastic. <laughs> Sorry for uh, <clears throat> your short-term loss there, Doug. <laughs> That's all right. I'm not going to lose. I'm, I'm in mine right. I got a price right, but I would have liked for that car to have gone to 120. <laughs> so, All right, props and flops time. And props and flops is brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like like ourselves. Check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com. Our pick of the week from Switchcars inventory is the aforementioned Porsche 993. Oh, it's I, really gorgeous. It, it is really gorgeous. 42,000 original miles, 
uh, original paint, good service history, and it is midnight blue metallic over midnight blue interior. Ugh. No gray interior. But it's so it's good. It's so pretty. It's really, really nice car. And we're asking only 110. So yeah, there you go. Really, really nice car. Uh, the flop of the week. This is one I've been saving for a, a, a while. A guy posted a GoFundMe entitled, Please Help Me Save My Car From Chase. This is not a police chase. This is Chase Bank. Uh, $40,000 goal. Nobody donated at the time that I screenshotted this. Hi there, my name is Scott. First off, I'm not the one to ask for help, but this is a last resort. I'm trying to save my car from a greedy finance company called Chase. I've made my car payment on time and even earlier for the past two years, and I have bank records to prove that. And all of a sudden, they close my account and put my car up for repo, all because the car is the last run of the production model, and the car is worth more to them is they repo it and sell it. So here I am trying to raise money to buy my car outright, because that's the only payment they will take. I have been to banks and other car lenders to try to refinance the car but it's out on repo no one will touch the car till it's off of repo status so here i am asking for a little bit of help from everyone to say screw you chase and once the repo has be lifted i will 100 send every fund back to everyone once the car is financed again trust me bro <laughs> trust me bro i mean fundamentally there's so many things wrong with this that we don't even need to go into but the best comment on ever on on his post was this guy said, "Bro said Chase liked my car so much they stole it." I swear. <laughs> like, There's so not good. somebody up in the the towers of of banks going, "Oh man, this this Subaru. Look at the car market. This Subaru is worth a bunch more. Let's repo it and make like two grand on the spread." <laughs> that is not how banks get rich. In uh, fact, it's almost the opposite. If they're looking at it going, man, this guy's really underwater, they would look at that as a high-risk situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, oh, my gosh. I paid everything on time. Yeah. Did okay. you? Did you pay all of it? <laughs> yeah. I paid my payment on time. I just only paid half the amount I contracted <laughs> to. Oh, uh, there's so much to unpack there. I'll just, I'm going to leave that one there. <clears throat> All right, prop of the week. This one's just easy and personal. My good friend John Sabo, he's a car finder. And every now and then you, you put business aside and you, you get excited over a personal car. And <clears throat> Sabo, Mr. Exotic Car Finder, found me a minty fresh 2000 Ford Excursion rear-wheel drive with a 7.3 liter diesel, which is the only engine to have in those because the alternative is a 6-liter Power Stroke, which is the bomb motor. And the 8.10 liter Triton V10, which <clears throat> drinks gas like, uh, you know, what's that? Oh, also shoots spark plugs. Yes, it, it, it drinks gas like a comedian drinks whiskey, you know. So <clears throat> anyway, that was a terrible analogy. You really tried, and I, I didn't I write that you one for beforehand. That, but uh, <clears throat> I was thinking of that one guy, Ron, what's his name? That like, Oh, Ron White, yeah. Ron White, friggin' just... Yes, it drinks gas like Ron White drinks alcohol. The joke alcohol. still wasn't as bad as that motor, though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we couldn't go a whole episode without that. The Ron White thing—you got to give me something for Ron no. I, White. I commend that, you for the effort. I do. I had a picture in my mind of somebody guzzling something, and it's Ron White. Anyway, 
thank you for enduring us tonight. Bad jokes and all. We will be back next week. I promise. Um, and anyway, thank you to my uh, uh, producer, Ethan Huffnagel. Thank you to my uh, co-host here, my uh, uh, banter provider, uh, Tyler Sanders. <clears throat> thank you very much to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivor. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. <clears throat> this episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.